Hello listeners, this is Vince from the DC3Cast with a new special interest piece from the Multiversity Podcast Network. For months, Brian, Zach, myself, and several unpaid interns have been working around the clock to unpack DC Rebirth. But things took a turn when a mystery listener called and left me a voicemail where he claimed that he had uncovered a startling series of clues within Dan Jurgens' Action Comics run. I'm going to play that audio, unedited, for you, our dear listenership, right now. From Multiversity Comics in the DC3 cast, this is Shit Comic. some kind of mercury poison nut job calling you at all hours of the day with my theories that might not even amount to a hill of beans but fellas there is something going on at dc comics and all hell is busting loose wasn't long ago that clock kent was running around with a shaved head like some kind of kkk member that Connor Kent had a goddamn tattoo, and I think that dipstick was probably fixing to get those nipples pierced too. Everything's upside down. Now that Kent boy has gone missing. Nobody's seen him for a year, and no one has said a goddamn thing. Then Dan Jurgens comes along with his action comics, trying to set things right. Now, boys. I know all about metallurgy, the multiversity. I studied everything there is to read about hypertime. And I still can't figure out what the fuck Dan Jurgens is doing. You're probably thinking, John, why are you still reading this comic? I ask myself that question every week. Why, John? Why? Why don't you just pack up the truck leave your mama, and just leave Action Comics behind. I don't know, fellas. I do not know. DC Comics and I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince, and we are here to talk to you about DC Comics. Specifically, the DC Comics that came out on April 12th, 2017. My daughter's birthday. And, uh... My daughter. My daughter. If you haven't read them yet, pause the podcast, read them, and then come back and listen to us talk about them. But first, we got some news to talk about. A a bunch of things... Uh, happened over the last couple days, specifically involving these solicitations for July. The biggest bit of news has not been confirmed yet. Uh, DC has not released their full slate of solicitations. There are a few they've held back. 
And one of the things that it appears they held back is a new Tom King New Gods book. Now, whether this is an event featuring the New Gods or a New Gods miniseries or a New Gods ongoing, we don't know. We don't know who the artist is. We have a couple of theories we'll get to in a second. But, you know, regular listeners of the show will know that we have been very, very harsh on Tom King since the start of Rebirth. But... OG listeners will know that we loved (laughs) Omega Men. Yes, we did. Uh, And that that, uh, Green Lantern Dark Side War tie-in. Yes. And Grayson. And Grayson. Grayson. So, uh, are you guys optimistic about a Tom King New God series? I'm like, uh, I'm prepared to go, you know, just like cry in a gutter for the... (laughs) the rest of my life but i'm also very excited yes yeah i'm optimistic i mean fool me once shame on me fool me I, you won't get fooled again <laughs> um yeah i'm uh, I, th- I i mean i'm the art that we're all that we're already seeing evokes more of that sort of omega man slash i know it's not much to go on but it's evoking sort of that Omega Men, the Vision style, which right. I think, if you think about what Batman's style is, like, that style to me is not appealing the way it is, you know, whether Tom King's writing it or not. So I feel like if he hews a little closer to the style that we've come to appreciate him for, he can have success. Am I wary? Maybe a little, but I'm optimistic. I think he can do it. Yeah, um, so th- there are some rumors swirling about who the artist in the series is. And uh, Zach, do you want to tell us who the, the two sort of leading contenders are? Yeah, so just looking at the art um, and knowing who King has kind of worked with in the past, it's most likely either uh, Mitch Jareds uh, of um, Sheriff of Babylon. And did you do anything else with King? He did a Batman Two two parter, right? That's right. He did the he did the cat bat? cat bat bat cat yeah yeah or uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, his vision co collaborator. Um, so we were you know we were kind of talking about who it might be. I think you know Vince and I both kind of thought that that first image of what looked like Mr. Miracle and Barda holding hands might have been Walta, but the Orion pick definitely looks like Garrett's. And I think that earlier this year, King hinted that he had a project with Garrett's coming up. Yes, he did. So I, my money's on him. Now, when I saw that image of Barda and Miracle holding hands, I actually thought it was just a piece of old art. Mm. I just thought it was like a cropped piece that he had found someplace. I didn't necessarily think it was new artwork, but this Orion thing certainly look, looks new. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, could it be both? That'd be inter- I mean, oh, that'd be interesting, especially if maybe it was a double shipper by like a yeah twice monthly book. Oh man, can you imagine? Yeah, that would be putting a lot of eggs in the in the new gods basket, but um I mean it's Kirby year. It it is Kirby year. It is year. Kirby year. And they're, you know, we know at least uh 
Deathstroke is no longer twice monthly. Cyborg is no longer twice monthly. I think the rumor is that Aquaman is next on that list. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, there is some room in the schedule for that. Yeah. Sure. And don't you know DC would love to be able to say, like, the the hit creative team of The Vision on, yeah. on one of their books? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting at the end of this year how much DC will have done to honor the Kirby legacy versus how much Marvel has done. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can say that Marvel honors it every single week because Kirby is just so ingrained into Marvel's creations. But I mean, the command. Oh yeah, the command. The command. When, when business puts uh, when business <laughs> puts the thing in Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Kirby <laughs> is doing them right. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're just all those co-creations yeah, yeah. are there all the time. We don't see as much. But, you know, this year we've had we've seen two different series titled Superpowers, which is a Kirby thing. We have the Commandy Challenge. We're getting the, the Forager mini from the Alreds and possibly a new God series. That's a lot of Kirby. It's a lot of Kirby. But it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for the potential of that. I think that the, uh, you know, if you look at what King's been tweeting out, it has been quotes from famous slash famous sad sacks uh, writers. Like uh, the Orion image was was a Sylvia Plath quote. I forget was, was it Tom Wolf? Yeah, it was, uh, the was the Barda, the Barda miracle. miracle one. And I feel like you know the Omega Man ended every issue with a quote. And it was there was a lot of sort of uh, you know tying in of sort of classic literary themes in the Omega Men and and somewhat in the Vision too. So if we're getting back to something like that, like you guys said, I, I'm I could be very excited about this. Yeah, and and maybe this is just like me like spitballing. I'm totally off base here, but I'm kind of thinking like even if we do kind of get that like some of that weird Batman Tom King. I feel like that could almost maybe work with the new gods. If he like builds it as this really kind of like obtuse, larger than life, you know, just like grandiose gods story where they yeah. speak in this like really stilted, almost kind of like poetic way. It's a, it's a particularly bad fit for Batman, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's a particularly bad idea. Right, right. Yeah, it it could actually maybe work there if that is the the kind of the Tom King that we get. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm so excited. I can't wait for like the official announcement and to get some details on this. Uh, Monday is just, when the DC so solicits drop. So if yeah, if it's for it's, July, we'll know Monday. Right, right. It's just so crazy. I think about like if this was announced, you know, a year ago. Imagine where we would all be right now. <laughs> it would be incoherent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We shall see. Yeah. You know what? Uh, one of the other first things that I thought when when we learned that Tom King was going to be doing a new God's book was, and you know, this could not be right. But the first thing, the first place my mind went was. Well, this means that Tom King's not doing the Legion book, which was, he, he, if you remember, he was my guest for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't guarantee that he's not, but it just makes me think, well, this is too much on his plate. Unless then. he's leaving Batman. 
Right. Hulk, Hulk. Brian, don't do that to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> quick. Uh, go quick, ahead. Oh, quick question. I just thought of this. Do you guys think this is going to be a, a DC proper book, or do you think it's going to be a Young Animal thing? They're not putting Tom King on the Young Animal book. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I feel wouldn't. like he doesn't fit that tone. I kind of. I. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm with you. The only. I, I. The only thing I wondered is maybe with the Forager thing happening. Sure. Maybe they want to kind of keep those. For For that to be true, I think Gerard Way would have to be a Tom King fan, and who knows whether he is or not. You know. That's true. But I think I don't think they would force him on. Especially when they've shown that they're comfortable publishing something that skirts skirts the edge of like maximum maturity, like Deathstroke and um, you know, like Apollo and Midnighter did, as far as like language and violence is concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to me, rather than forcing that on Young Animal, if it wasn't Gerard Way's idea, I could see them just doing a mature book in the DCU. Yeah, I could almost see it being its own thing, maybe even, you know. Yeah. Although, there's no... There there haven't been very uh, many New Gods type things in DC Rebirth. And if if Rebirth is like the unified vision, it wouldn't surprise me if um, if this was New Gods Rebirth as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then on top of that, in Legion, we still need to figure out who's doing the uh, and when we're getting a JSA book. That would be when, when is it? You think so? I think so. Yeah. You think oh, it'll, okay. you said you think it'll be Johns? Yeah, it'll be Johns. Oh, baby. Oh man, what? I don't know. Did I tell you guys my theory about the JSA? My theory. Maybe my theory. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was thinking about this. How I feel like. The JSA is such a big deal that they're going to kind of launch it in a cluster of books. Like, it's not just going to be JSA monthly and that's it. I feel like you're going to get a JSA book, you're going to get a Shazam book as part of that, and you're going to get maybe one or two other books that all kind of stem from those kind of Golden Age characters. Mm. And I feel like that's the reason it's going to take a while, because... John's needs the time to develop all that, but I, I kind of I could almost see it being like not his young animal in the sense of that it's a separate universe, but sort of his grouping of books that that he's going to oversee. So maybe if he isn't writing, it maybe he's co-writing two or three of those. Oh, I could see that for sure. That makes a lot of sense for his schedule. You know, have him sort of be the plotter or the co-plotter, and let somebody else script it. That hey, would be interesting. His, his schedule might be opening up a lot more <laughs> with yeah. the way that those damn movies are going. <laughs> no, man. How's he going to have time when there's four Batman movies you coming out? stole the joke, you bastard. I was about to make the same joke. Uh, you guys. Uh, and then four more in 2020, right? I think something like yeah. that. Is that right? I think so. They won't well, stop until the ventriloquist gets his own movie. Sorry, guys. The rumor is that uh, the the villain of Man of Steel two is gonna be Black Adam, and the Shazam movie's been canceled. So, is that is that a real thing? That's a real rumor going around. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like at this point, I would be better. That I think that <laughs> would be better, honestly. Yeah. I, I the mean, problem like... is that uh, film Superman has way less moral high ground to stand on than Black Adam does. <laughs> well, that's the that's the the twist. 
Black Adam's the good guy in that movie. Oh. I would support that. I still don't understand how you don't have John Cena as Captain Marvel and The Rock <laughs> as Black Adam and just let, you know, just print oh, a just billion dollars. Just go over the top. With I would want it to be like very much like this is this is wrestling this is superhero yeah. wrestling yep. there's literally a ring like up in up in the sky that they're yes. fighting <laughs> they're yes. like bouncing off the turnbuckle and all and in the audience are like the seven statues of the gods that are in the cave <laughs> yeah holding up black adam 316 signs <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of the one of the the, <laughs> the wizard is uh vince mcmahon of course yeah <laughs> yeah yes yeah but god that's vince mcmahon's music <laughs> Uh, <laughs> DC, we are all available. We will work for you. <laughs> I actually think this is our first destructive idea that we've ever given. <laughs> you, I think this movie would make a billion dollars. <laughs> You're telling me if you can't combine the money-making prowess of professional wrestling and comic books, come on. And, some, some and, and rock people, is hotter than he's ever been. I was like, and people universally regarded as handsome. Come on. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brian <laughs> at comics.com DC. Go ahead. Wink. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, we had speculated about the, the next creative team coming in on Wonder Woman after Greg Rucka's rumored departure. Well, that departure is no longer rumored. It is uh, it is happening. Although he has made it very clear he is not leaving DC, that he expects more DC work soon, but that the double shipping of Wonder Woman was getting sort of too much for him. And uh, Liam Sharp also said that he was leaving the book, but he was sticking around in DC and had would have a new project to be announced very soon. Uh, so we know that for five issues, Shay Fontana of DC Superhero Girls will be writing it, and uh, Mirka Andolfo is doing at least two of those five issues. What do you guys think of this? Yeah, well, um, we were talking before the show, and and I'm I'm a little familiar with her work because um, my uh, stepdaughter, my stepdaughter and I have my stepdaughter and I have read <laughs> those uh, have read some of those superhero girls stories, and um, and you know they're a lot of fun, and they you know like most stories of their ilk when they're written by by good writers. They distill these characters down in in very simple ways, but um, but they get the core elements right, you know. And uh, and I th- I think she's got I think she there's proof that she's got that down, and um, and I think it's good to have a woman writing Wonder Woman, and um, and I'm excited to see what kind of story it will be because I can't imagine, you know, just based on having read the superhero girls books what what sort of you know for lack of a better term mature wonder woman story we're going to be getting you know i'm I'm definitely interested yeah same i think this is a really like cool and interesting choice for for dc to make and um yeah i'm interested to see how it turns out and to see if it's just kind of like a one-off thing or if you know if this team continues on or or what will happen? Yeah, I, I still think that Tim Seeley is going to be taking the book over for reasons I got into last week. But I think that this makes a lot of sense for two reasons. First of all, it somewhat limits the making the next ongoing writer 
Like, there's this expression I'm sure you guys have heard before. You don't want to be the guy who replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the guy. Like, you don't want Celia to be the guy who replaced Greg Rucka. That's a lot of pressure on him. If you put somebody else in between that's just a temporary thing and everyone knows it, Celia can come in with more of a fresh start uh, or at least less expectation to be the next Greg Rucka or whoever it is, even if it's not Celia. So that's what they were doing with the Finches. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I honestly think that anybody who was going to follow that Azarella Chang run was going to be considered the shits. And so they just figured, eh, we'll give it to the Finches. But yeah, um, I think it's gonna. I think it's a really cool idea. I think it's great to see a, uh, a pair of female creators on the book. I think it's fun to see folks who started out in the all ages sector of DC on the book. And I think it's fun to see creators that. And this is no knock on their talent, just on their name recognition. These aren't A list names. Right, these are these are up and coming folks. I love seeing that. I think it's great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in a bit of good news, we we had talked about how we thought that Christopher Priest was leaving Deathstroke. Well, Sykes, uh, I I never thought that. Well, Brian. don't no, you put words in my mouth. I thought it. I, I thought, thought it too. So yeah, two thirds of us thought it. So Vince <laughs> is better than us, and uh, yeah, that's the way it is. But anyway, Which we all knew anyway. We did all of that anyway. But no, he is starting his own his own superhero team in uh, in July. Uh, this team features the young Wally West from Teen Titans. It features the former Power Girl who's been hanging out with, or I guess she's currently Power Girl. The former Teen Titan from the New Fifty Two Power Girl has been hanging around Slade. Both of Slade's kids, uh, you know, Ravager and Jericho, as well as classic Teen Titan Terra. Uh, guys, this looks so dope. Yeah. For, first of all, they're pandering straight to me with the uh, Justice League number one homage cover. Yep. Just, I love when DC does that. It's... They do it like twice a year. <laughs> they really do, but I love it every time. I, I see it and I go, ah! Something I recognize. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a cat playing with a little ball. I'm... <laughs> That's that's what happens to me. Um, I just think it's a great looking cover, right? I mean, yeah, it looks it, badass. It definitely is, yeah. <laughs> and the uncanny X Force uniforms are great too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I said it you before. Deathstroke in a cape. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Oh, I I just said I said it before. Deathstroke in a cape. I like it. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be really interesting, guys. Yeah, it is. Diogenes Neves is doing the art. Oh, I don't think I even saw that. Yeah. yeah I like he him. He didn't do the cover, but he's doing the interiors for the book. Okay. I like now, him a lot. I assume he's still going by by the name Twilight here. I wonder. Am I right to assume that? I'm not sure. I'm trying to look at that symbol he's got on his chest, and I'm wondering if that's like a T or... I don't know. It looks like it actually looks like it's probably well. No, it is different than the one that uh, Jericho has. Maybe, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe just, it's not. It actually yeah. looks like a lot like the one that Rose has on. Actually, 
yeah. whatever that. Yeah. This could also be just his Titans. Don't forget that he could be Titans. Right. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Yep. Yep. The Twilight Titans. I love it. I Man, it looks. Oh, I'm so I'm so excited for this, and this has me even more excited for Lazarus contract now. Yeah. To like. Yeah see how we get to this which like i think the solicitation that we've seen kind of spoils a little bit of uh, like big time spoils lazarus contract but um still i'm excited i this is way more of a marvel thing to do than a dc thing to do but it would have been great if you saw slade in that costume but didn't see who the team members were Uh they were blacked out we had a guess yeah. We'd all have been wrong. We'd have gotten Power Girl. We'd have gotten Power Girl, and I would have said at least Rose. Because I, I, su- I think I suggested Rose a week or two ago. Okay. But those were the two that I would have gotten. I'm really surprised by Wally. I wonder, I, so I guess he's going to be off of the main Teen Titans. At least for a little while, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Well, it clearly has something to do with the Speed Force, so it, it, can, it makes sense knowing that now. Yeah. But... Yeah, man. And where's Tara coming from? Have we seen her in Rebirth yet? No, no I think that's going to be a... I believe the last time we saw her was in the Ravagers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Comics are sometimes good again. They are sometimes good again. <laughs> but what I love about this is that like, this is just, to me... I, I saw a really interesting article this week that was about... Black Panther and the crew, the new yeah. Marvel series. And it's like, this is what happens when you let a creator of color write characters of color. And the idea was just that everything just felt more natural and felt really interestingly done. And I feel like this is, this is a diverse book. Now that team is a diverse team in the absolute best sense of the word. It makes total sense. They're not like throwing random characters in there haphazardly, but it's a team that is, racially and age-wise quite diverse, uh, sexuality-wise quite diverse, and just is going to lead to some really interesting stories. And that is 100% on the back of Christopher Priest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I know this is DC3 cast, but that Black Panther and the Crew book, I read issue one, and it's pretty dope, so... I, I want to read it tomorrow. I haven't read it yet. It's good shit. Nice. Uh, and finally, on the news docket... Uh, this will be announced Monday as well, but some art has already snuck out there. In July, there will be a Lee Alred written, Mike Alred illustrated, Batman 66 meets the Legion of Superheroes. And my, my guess is it's a one-shot. You think so? I think so, yeah. Well, it's like a digital first thing, though. Yeah, but when it's collected, it'll be like an oversized one-shot. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is I can't see... Isn't Alred still doing Silver Surfer, technically? Yeah, but that comes out so infrequently. But there's that, and then he's doing the Bug miniseries, too, at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, like, how many digital chapters it'll go. Yeah. But it's a it's a, it's a a great idea. Yeah. I can't wait to see Allred's take on 60s Legion costumes. <laughs> like, TV 60s Legion costumes. What we've of... seen so far looks look pretty good. Yeah. One of the nice things about when they do these these digital firsts from the 66 verse is if it's a new character being introduced, they try and make them look or her look how they would look on the show. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Super fun yeah. idea. You know, I, I could see some something they've done with the digital first in the past is that they have like the marquee creative team on the first three digital issues, and then after that, it's just a rotating band of like right, right. lesser artists. I could see that happening, but just wanted to throw that in there. Just wanted to be a wet blanket. I get it. What? A wet blanket. Oh, I'm I'm wet all right over Mike Allred's art because <laughs> he's one of my faves. So he's the best. You're the best in the biz. He is. All right, guys, that brings us to our uh, our books this week. Let's try and be nice and fast this week because we spent much time in the news. Um, so first up, we have Action Comics number nine seventy seven. Written by Dan Jurgens. Who did the art here? It's uh, Ian Churchill. I think Ian Churchill. Yeah. yeah, Churchill, yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts about this issue, guys. You hated this. I hated this You so go much. first, Brian. All right, so... I feel like one of the things we've talked about a lot is how we were really hoping that Rebirth wasn't everybody figuring shit out again. That it could be just like telling stories, right? They're just jumping into things and not people being distrustful and figuring out how the world works. Just telling stories. This is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> okay? Not only that, we see yet another take of Superman's parents on Krypton, which we've now seen 700 times, 800 well, times. we haven't seen it as much as we've seen the Waynes die. No, that's true. That is true. But oh, they're trying to play catch-up. Is that what you're saying? I think so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even Z's. Uh, but I will say this. If, so Superman says to his, you know, collection of crystals in the in the fortress, tell me everything. <laughs> and then we spend two-thirds of an issue on one day of his life. So if this continues a piece, <laughs> I, I pay a pace here, we're going to have like 4,000 issues of action comics before we get back to the current. Wouldn't that be great if like, this book just became like it just retells everything <laughs> like literally everything like it's an adaptation of <laughs> of it, all of superman's history yeah. it, pulls, it pulls a 60s x-men and just starts reprinting action issues uh-huh. <laughs> oh you you just know that he's gonna slip in another doomsday in here too like yep they're going to be like, and this is the time that you fought Doomsday. <laughs> Dan Jurgens is going to reprint all of his old issues and make sure those get out there again. But this comic just pissed me off. <laughs> it, it just feels like, especially now that there's this new status quo for Superman, there are so many interesting, interesting things you can do with that. And we'll see other books this week attempt to do those interesting things. And this book does none of that. It just retreads the past. It gives Baby Clark the stupidest fucking haircut in the universe, <laughs> with just the little curl and nothing else. Yeah, isn't that for? Isn't that like the the baby from Popeye? Isn't that what? Uh... <laughs> Sweepy. Yeah, that is Sweepy. <laughs> um, uh, but that's isn't that like isn't that modern Jurgens though? Like, isn't that the problem with Jurgens, especially lately? Is that like it's not enough to just have an event happen. You have to explain said event in gruesome detail over several issues. And not only that, you have to present it as, as some super intriguing mystery the entire time. 
when the reader is really not, they just want to get to the point. Like if, if you would have told me, I mean, I could have guessed that the next several issues coming out of uh, Superman reborn that, that crossover arc, I, I could have guessed that the next several issues would be fallout trying to explain everything that we just saw explained to us. And what's so frustrating about that is that the event was this nice contained four-issue event. And this is going to drag on for months now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't even – I mean we were already complaining during that event that, okay, this is too much. We don't need to know all of this. You know, just make it happen. Like we we cared about the end point. And I feel like most readers would say that. Um, Sound off in the comments if that's not the case. But – but Jurgens is just so obsessed with this like game of batting the reader back and forth. He did it for months with the fake Clark, you know. I can I can feel it coming that he's gonna do it for at least several issues with this. Just just this minutia that we don't need to know. As soon as Superman said, Yeah, you know, we it's great to have our old life back, but I still have questions that need answers. I thought I don't. <laughs> like, those those answers will come when DC does the whole like um, rebirth end game right. thing. We don't need them dragging through super. Okay, Tomasi Superman. The way that that comic is run proves that we don't need Action Comics to do this week in and week out. You know. It's perfectly possible to to like swoop in and touch on these points once in a while, and then to go and tell other stories that are really interesting, that are completely apart from this. But Jurgens has spent literally the majority of a year on Action Comics, just on the mystery of continuity. <laughs> That's not that doesn't scream action to me. This book is called Action. You know? I do have one. There is one very pervasive mystery here. Why yeah. anyone should care about blank? <laughs> no, that is that is a, a secondary mystery here. But when did Perry White become every newspaper man in any seventies movie about a newspaper? <laughs> like that looks nothing like Perry White has ever looked before. It looks like every like every editor. Like you could throw that character into all the president's men, or like just any any movie about <laughs> a seventies newsroom, and that guy's working there. Who wears a vest like that? I'm trying to think of which Mad Men character he is. Oh, he's like he is five years in the future. Duck. Duck Phillips. Yeah, yeah he's oh. Duck Phillips. Five years in the future. <laughs> yep. Oh, I like it. It's it's Duck. Actually, it's Duck. Shortly before he lets Chauncey go into the street. <laughs> That's a deep Mad Men cut. That right? is a deep Mad Men cut. <laughs> um, what do you think of this issue? Uh, it wasn't great. I, I was actually surprised, um, by the art, I guess a little bit. I thought it was pretty good. I wasn't expecting, I I guess like the last time I saw Churchill, he still seemed really nineties, but this Uh feels a bit more modern. Um, and his Superman, you know, was good. Uh, man, you know, you really can't beat like a, a, like matrix supervillain, (laughs) <laughs> running people over with a car while another supervillain sits in or a truck while the other supervillain sits in the, the bed of the truck like you really can't beat that in a superman comic so i see some people thinking that this uh that neo here whatever the fuck his name is is dr manhattan i don't see that at all 
No, yeah. I yeah, no, 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 no. He uh it's unless unless we're rebooting Dr. Manhattan to be an internet villain now instead yeah. of a, instead of the nuclear man, he's like Oh guys, you know who this man? is? Comment this man. is uh this is uh Superboy Prime. Okay. <laughs> oh, hey, actually you could be right no. there. No, no, but but actually, he is. He's going around red pilling all these villains. He is. Oh like... my gosh! What if his name is Red Pill? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! He just goes around saying, "Get woke." <laughs> I will get get woke knuckle tattoos. If his name is Red Pill. I'll get red pilled at knuckle tattoos. Okay, good. Um, oh man! I don't. I don't think we can do better than that. So maybe we should <laughs> let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back on the Birds of Prey, number nine. Uh, let's see who who did this. Written by the Bensons and illustrated by Rose Antonio. Um, what do you guys think of this issue? I I kind of decided what I feel about this book overall, and it's. I don't think about you at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be Mad Men week, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I just think um, it's 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 not it's not bad, but you in a year's time or or two years time, no one's ever going to remember anything that happened in it. It, it it's it's the least consequential book. In DC Rebirth, I would say <laughs> that doesn't make it the worst. Um, it's it's readable. I can read this book, but boy, is it's just like nothing's ha- nothing happens. You know, it anything that does happen is its own little self-contained thing. There, there is one moment that drove me crazy in this book, okay. which was uh, when. Um... They're announcing like uh, Black Canary's like uh, fake fighter name, and they're like, you know, the winner once again, Noir Nightingale, and she thinks, proud of myself for that one. You shouldn't be. <laughs> you should Black Bird essentially, and you're like, still got it. <laughs> so dumb, so dumb. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the villain like is it, is it there, there's some there was something else in one of these issues today that was the dumbest thing. Hang on, let, let me keep reading. Keep, keep okay. talking. I was just gonna say, and you know, the villain is this villain that's pretending to like train these uh, people with superpowers, but really she's ending up stealing their powers at the end, and it's all very. Um, it feels like it's all been kind of done before, and and pretty inconsequential, and. We're we're getting a Green Arrow and a Nightwing cameo again, and 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 all of that feels very detached from anything going on in any of those other books. So, the it's kind of just off on its own, doing its own thing, and it's really not anything that anyone. I don't. There's just not a lot to like about it. There's not a lot to hate, but there's not a lot to like either. Zach, did you even bother cracking this open? Nope. No, God, I, I wish I had your your temerity, Zach. Yeah. That's the right word. Alright, that brings us to Detective Comics number nine five four. Uh this is written by James Tynan the Fourth, illustrated by the great Marcio Takara. Uh 
I this is a pretty great issue, guys. Yeah. Um, man, that ending. Yeah. Um, I think that now here is a book where it feels like consequential stuff is happening constantly. Yes. Like this turned, you know, we've seen uh, Raisha Ghoul quite a bit in the in Rebirth so far, and this is the first time though where I feel like he's coming in and he's being just as big a badass as he's supposed to be, to the point where like I'm legitimately curious how everyone's going to get out of this. Yeah, a Batman captured, you know, and. Yeah, and it also, like, really kind of builds up Shiva as, like, a legitimate threat to see, like, this is, like, bigger than Batman right now, you know? This mm-hmm. is, like, yeah. I didn't there's... expect it to go this way. Now, let me ask you guys this. So there's the scene where uh, Raish blows, like, the, the powder in his face like he's a 1980s professional wrestling manager throwing salt <laughs> in his eyes. Um we're big into the wrestling references tonight. Sorry, yeah. Paul Lai, who's listening right now and is not happy. Um, <laughs> he's, he always says he doesn't get our wrestling references, so uh, sorry, Paul. But We don't uh, do that many of them. We don't do that many of them, but this one's going to be especially tough for him. So, But so, Raish whispers to Batman, remember, and then he says backwards, the shadows, much like Zatanna would do. Oh, yeah, that part was that good. Was, and, well, and, yeah. and his eyes go big, and then Raish says, end this, detective. Do you think that he essentially, like, programmed Batman to just kill everybody? I don't know. Because he doesn't want to kill Bruce here. He doesn't. No. And so, to me, this is him, like, unleashing the full power of Batman, removed of any morality. I didn't I could think be reading about that, it that way. I could be reading it totally wrong. That's just how I read it the first time when I was looking at it. Yeah, I don't know. That would be really interesting. To, like, have Bruce kind of, like, unwillingly cross that line and deal with the fallout of that. Oh, man. Maybe that's why it's dark days ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh. Batman starts hitting the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you think that this is going to kind of lead into um, the kind of like flash forward we got in Batwoman? Well, I was going to say the outfits of the colony here, I think that confirms that's what um, that's what she's wearing in that one flash forward, right? Mm-hmm. We had sort of hypothesized that, but seeing it here, that definitely is the colony logo on her chest, right? On Kate's chest? Yeah, yeah. So it might, yeah. Oh, man. And how man. great is Cassie at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, how, like, it would be really cool if this arc ends with, you know, kind of like you're saying, Brian, um, Batman just kind of, like, be, you know, programmed, like, just taking everyone in the League of Shadows out while, um, like, Kate kind of teams up with her dad and, and Colony to just like wipe everything out on on the surface kind of you know if, yeah. if they both like cross those lines and dealing with the fallout of that and cassie's killing again yeah so she's crossing that line 
Everybody's going. And spoilers gone. She left. You know, I, 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 I like it. But you're right, Vince. This feels ultimate. This feels so essentially consequential. Yeah, I mean, even, it feels even though like in five years, I don't know if this will be any more important than Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Oh, uh, I think I, I think it'll be re- I think it'll be remembered. Yeah, but will it be important? Ah, who knows? I mean, how mu- how much is ever really that important? That's true. All right, that brings us to The Flash, number 20, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Neil Gouge. Nice to see Neil Gouge back the on the Gouge. book. Wait, I, wait, hold on a minute. I wanted to talk about something from Detective. Oh, sorry, we, I'm sorry. No, I was trying to keep right. the show brisk and uh, perky. <laughs> well, sorry, but uh, what, what was with that moment with that Ulysses kid who, looking at the Robin suit and saying, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to do. Is he going to show up in the in the Robin outfit i would not be surprised i i bet that's what he does yeah yeah but that (laughs) that's gonna be so goofy because like can he actually fight do we know that (laughs) is that gonna is that what's gonna cause like steph to snap yeah maybe oh man everybody's got a snap that's right dark days ahead yep all right all right we can go we can go ahead now okay so Zach and I were saying the Googe over and over again. Um, uh, this was an Iris centric issue of the flash. I thought it was a really strong issue. I think that the last page reveal was probably always going to happen, but it was handled pretty well. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm dumb. I didn't see it coming. Uh, for those who maybe are just waiting for us to spoil it, uh, Mina, the love interest of Barry's early on in the series, who was uh, hit with the Speed Force and then was supposedly killed by uh, Godspeed, it turns out she is not dead, she is alive, and she is a supervillain. Or at least we, we presume she's a supervillain. Yeah, right? it def- definitely looks like one. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the vibe you're supposed to be getting. Yeah. She's got that sweet monochromatic flash suit she could almost be in deathstroke's league at this point or deathstroke's yeah Titans she could with that man i love that uh but i thought there was some solid iris work done here what do you guys think yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah i think so yeah this was yeah it was a good like focus on her i liked it but i'm also just like now with every passing issue i'm like how long until we get the Iris finds out that Barry's the Flash and then she's mad at him and then they're like on the outs for, you know, a dozen issues. I'm yeah. waiting for that shoe to drop. And until like, it's kind of just like hanging over the book now. She's, she does question him at one point. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. Now we've already got the mistrust. Gosh, I hate the, like, I'm so tired <laughs> of that storyline in comics. Yeah. I'm so tired of it. I mean, who knows? Maybe she won't be mad about it. Maybe she'll... Uh... That would be so refreshing. I would love that. Josh Williamson, if you were listening, please don't go down that road. Make her totally cool with it. Make her totally cool with it. I, I, have, a, I have a question for you guys. Sure. Regarding that. 
Because it happens so often in comics, you know, like like this is something that happens several times a year with, you know, whether it's at DC or Marvel, this this whole, you know, mistrust of identity thing. If that happened to you in real life, and I know that, you know, you got to you got to trans you got to transport yourself there. But would you would it really be that big of a deal? Like, I feel like I feel like like Brian Bendis to, to rip on him again constantly has his like superheroes feeling like they're betraying each other over the littlest thing. Like <laughs> I'm, I read his comics and I think like, there's no way I would be mad about that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, well, I think I would be worried a lot yeah, like, sure. all the time, you know? Sure. Um, would you abandon that person? No, of course not. Yeah, would you be like somewhat understanding of what they were trying to do? Yeah, I think so. But I, of course, you know, we've been reading superhero comics for you know, decade, mm-hmm. you know, at least a decade. So well, we're used let's to be it. Fair here. How jealous would the three of us be if our wives had superpowers and we didn't? <laughs> yeah, but that's a different emotion yeah, than the one that they usually play. It. <laughs> we know all these facts that could help us, and, uh, and they get the powers. <laughs> Well, then we, because we know all that, we're the spunky sidekick. Or do we naturally become their supervillains because we know all their weaknesses, but they don't even know them. Ugh. Anyway, this is a good comic. And I love that Mina costume at the end. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, did either of you guys read Gotham Academy? Nope, nope, nope. Um, I, I didn't. I'm switching to the trade on this one just because... Um... We've got so many books to read all the time, and, and yeah. it's got nothing to do with any other books. So. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it's being canceled. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's ending with number 12, although they did say the the, the second semester is ending, Gotham Academy's not ending. Yeah. Um, okay. I could see them, and this was floated on Twitter by uh, Multiversity staffer slash former guest on the show, Ken Godberson, saying that uh, he thinks that it would be smart for them to just go to like an OGN format and really go after the bookstore market. And that, yeah. there's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. I think that's a very good idea. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's the best thing for this type of book. And, and beyond that, you, you can get – one of the great things about Gotham Academy's first run was the art. But that sort of thing wasn't sustainable right. uh, for all that long. So, yeah, you could, you could refocus your efforts on the art. Not that the art right now isn't good, but it was something else. Earlier, it was so you know? unique, especially too. It looked yeah. unlike anything else that was going on in DC. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Um, but anyway, that brings us to Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by V. Ken Marion of last year's hit Bloodlines miniseries. Um, <laughs> so this had my least favorite bit of dialogue. Of the week, but I want to hear what you guys saw the issue first. Um, so about the only thing I really liked about it is I just I really kind of do like this um this like status quo that they have where the the green like each pairing like each sector pairing is a Green Lantern and a and a Yellow Lantern. Yeah, I agree. That's that's. I fun. like that a lot, and I I like that they're kind of consolidating all the lanterns. Like I could see this. You know, with like the Saint Walker stuff too happening, where like 
the green, blue, and yellow lanterns all have like are all stationed on on Mogo there together, and are doing their cool stuff together. Um, I mean, let's be fair; those are the three lantern cores you really want to see, right? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like orange is just Larflees, and he's better in small doses. Yep. Um, I never want to see a red lantern ever again. <laughs> yep. Um. <laughs> Unless they can make the, like, Star Sapphires less, you know, like, one-dimensional sex things, then... Sex things? They are literally the Stone Temple Pilot song sex-type thing come to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arm, 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 although, although I do think that, that that would be, like, a logical addition to this, you know, growing, like, confederation of cool lantern cores you know yeah yeah they would be like a logical addition and indigo they gotta do something with because right now it's just at first it was very i, I like the mystery of the indigo lanterns and now i'm just kind of bored by it well they and haven't now... done anything really with them other than i don't know either of you remember there was like that weird indigo lantern that showed up in teen titans right before mm. rebirth oh, yeah yeah, I with the Indigo Lanterns, I feel like it's like it was a mystery that Jeff Johns planted by saying like, "Oh, okay, these lanterns they they only say knock, and and we got to figure out what that means, you know, and and that'll be revealed someday." And then like future writers were just like, "No, they're just saying knock. They're just, <laughs> that's just all they say. They're like, uh, you know, they just want knock worst. They're like Groot." <laughs> Uh, Zach, you were saying there was one other thing you liked about this book, though? No, I think that was the only thing. Rip Hunter's back. Rip Hunter's back, yeah. That was cool, yeah, very... He's good again. Yeah, oh. Rip Hunter's good again. <laughs> and he's a Green Lantern, yeah. apparently. This had some really hokey dialogue, though. Lay some on us. Lay some on us. Well, okay, there, there's one in particular... There's, there's a really lazy dialogue. That's the part that really drove me crazy. But, like, all of the green-yellow bickering, I just feel like... I'm glad they're they're seemingly putting that to bed now because that bores the hell out of me. Oh man, but like, what if like Keith Giffen was writing it? <laughs> <laughs> if Keith Giffen was writing it, every Yellow Lantern would call Green Lantern the slang term for like the lowest animal on their planet all the time. <laughs> Be like, I wouldn't feed you to my bacala doc. Like, <laughs> you know, like that would be every bit of dialogue. All right, so here is the Robert Venditti School of Lazy Comic Ready, okay? <laughs> to me, this is just, he literally didn't want to open a browser window in his on his laptop and was like, fuck it, this'll do. So John is talking to Kyle, and he says, you've worn all seven rings, Kyle. Green Will, Yellow Fear, Red Rage, Orange Greed, Violet Love, you name it. <laughs> he left two of them and just didn't say them? Like, there's no reason. You've named five already. There's no yeah. good reason to not just finish it out. I feel like you either go with three and stop, right. or you, you or all you say all seven. Yeah. <laughs> He's like indigo something. <laughs> like it was just a very very weird choice for the writing. Uh, yeah. 
I also feel like it's a, the book is a little bit, it almost sounds like it's racist sometimes, because at one point, Kilowog's yelling, the yellows! At, <laughs> yeah. at, They're shifty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I did like the guy in our Kilo stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah. But again, like we saw that last issue already. Just move on already. Yeah, yeah. Has a uh, has Sornik always had like the like double breasted logo? I believe so. Okay, because I, I guess so, I just yeah. never noticed that before. And uh, well, V Ken thought Murray... it was weird because like no other character is ever like that, except a prominent female character. Um, I just thought it was weird. They drew the nipples, and so they had to cover it up. So, <laughs> I mean, almost like honestly, that's what it seemed like, you know. <laughs> hey, look, these are boobs. You like you, you guys like these, right? Yes, we do. Put some patches here. <laughs> Take a, little, a look. Like, the little like pasties. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yep. Oh, All right. that's demeaning, folks. That's yeah. We don't endorse that. No, we don't. We, we do not at all. We do endorse, well, I, at least last week, two of us endorsed uh, Justice League of America, number four, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. He's back. He's good again. Yeah, we'll see about that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's got those beady little Batman eyes again. Yes, he does. <laughs> Zach, Zach, are you on board with this yet? I liked this issue. Good. It was good. I thought he wrapped it up very well yeah i i like steve i like the way steve orlando writes batman um he he always sounds like batman he's not like ridiculously grim and over the top like uh tom king's batman is but he's still got like those like sort of like arrogant lines where he like he says i don't die you know yeah (laughs) Which is patently false because he's died before. He's died multiple times. Yes. Multiple like, times. Yeah, but like I just feel like that's a very true to Batman thing for him to say. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, and I love Lobo. Lobo's he, great. He, he can say Bastage on every page, and I'll be fine with it. I, I used to hate Bastage, and now I love Bastage. <laughs> and and I like the way that Orlando writes the Ray. Yes, uh-huh. very like, much. Very very compassionate. See that that's where this team is really starting to work for me and come together that like I said I said 2 weeks ago that they're the, they're the diplomatic group the diplomatic justice league and you see that even more here but they're they're almost humanitarian in some ways you know like yeah. it's really a different I I I don't think I've ever seen a justice league written this way before and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I just I think Orlando's found like a new avenue to a legitimately unique Justice League team. Well, to me, this kind of it feels in tone almost like the old Justice League International, where they were on like a UN charter. Just the idea of like they are there to serve the greater good of the world, not to save the world from disaster. Like to me, this is a more proactive Justice League mm. than a reactive one. Although they're still reacting to a situation, it's like their goal there wasn't to just go in and take out this regime. The goal was to make life better for these people. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah, yeah. I really like the... the. I mean, I, I, it seems like... I like the threads that are laid down here. Like, it seems like this the Dream Slayer character 
is probably going to come back and be a thing. Yeah, we got Blue Jay. Blue Jay, which is like a weird like Falcon Adam hybrid or not Adam yeah. uh, uh Ant Man. Blue Jay mm-hmm. was a, a Justice Leaguer for years though. Yeah, I mean he last oh, really? appeared in James Robinson's run. Yeah. Huh. I was just thinking like this was like the you're right I do remember that now but I I was just thinking this was you know uh marvel analogs yeah um but, but but yeah I, you're right it is the same character that's weird oh and, okay he was a former member of the champions of angor which yeah. is who these guys are right right okay i did also love at the end the conversation between black canary and killer frost about like this this is a good team but why the fuck is lobo here like <laughs> Just the idea of, like, Batman is not letting on everything that he's planning here. I like that a lot. Yeah. Here, here. This book is good. Yeah, it is. I And I'm, now I'm, like, really interested to see where it goes next. Um, I feel like I say that about it, like, all these <laughs> books. But, like, but, I mean, just with um, this arc being, like, a very somewhat traditional you know kind of like superhero arc in some ways but in other ways not i don't know i it's just the solicits for upcoming issues look really different and interesting yeah all right that brings us to new superman number 10 written by gene lewin yang illustrated by victor bogdanovic uh this is a uh kind of a Superman Reborn tie-in. They really advertise it as that, but it really only kind of comes up at the very end. Um, But this was a really fun issue. Even if there was a lot going on here, and uh, a a couple of things I didn't remember from previous issues kind of popped up here. We just read so much (laughs) every week that, you know, things slip through the cracks. But I thought it was overall a pretty strong issue. Vince, what do you think? I... This was my favorite issue of the week. Like, uh, like out of all the comics, this was the one that I enjoyed the most. I actually read it twice, which is crazy because we have a lot of books to read, and I never do that, you know. But um, there was so much going on that I felt I had to read it twice, and I wanted to because it was so good. Um, I, I love, I love how Yang has brought in a lot of explicitly Chinese type stuff. Um, I mean, they are not shying away from the fact that this book is entrenched in Chinese culture. You know, right. it's not it's not just window dressing. You know, the the very struggle for power uh, over those door the door knockers or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, that very struggle for power uh, is like it feels inherently Chinese. Like it feels like it comes from a place that's authentic. Um, and and I don't mean like Chinese reality even. I mean like Chinese myth. You know, right. um, the fact that they open up a demon portal and that's something that you see in in uh, Chinese media. You know, and and uh, and I, I even like at the very end the that uh, uh, spoiler alert the uh, I Ching character um, turns out to be the guy that was wearing the Fu Manchu mask from like a couple issues ago, which by the way, 
that Fu Manchu mask is like a, a historically like racist stereotype and it's, of a Chinese it's person. Historically racist DC stereotype. That that's yes. the guy who's on the cover of Detective Comics number one. Yes, yes, exactly. And yet Gene Luen Yang like takes that character and actually addresses the racism inherent of it and why this character is wearing that mask in that it is to it it play it's almost like Batman playing upon the fear that people have for bats it's people it's playing upon people's expectations as a racist caricature yeah yeah he even uses like the cowardly and superstitious lot line Yep, yep, exactly. Which which coming from Yang that again that feels very authentic. That feels like some like he squared the circle there, right? Basically like he took this very racist element from DC Comics past and brought it back for rebirth and yet like addresses that right up front, you know? I, I just I was really impressed the whole way through and I'm continually impressed how he continues to make this such an engaging and unique book and just imbuing it with this really authentic feel. And then also includes things like a guy named Strato the Cloud Man, yep. which is probably my favorite like superhero or villain name that I've heard in like forever. And, uh, and I love this new Flash. I love the Chinese Flash. Um, yeah. I think she's an awesome character. I think this is an awesome book. Zach? Yeah, I like this a lot. Um, the only thing that I thought was weird about this issue was I thought Lex seemed a little, like, buffoonish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, like, really the only thing. Everything else, you know, all the other things you mentioned, um, spot on. This book is really good. I would take this buffoonish Lex over Jurgen's Lex any day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, that brings us to Red Hood and the Outlaws, number nine, written by Scott Lobdell, illustrated by Dexter Soy. And I, I have a question for you guys when uh, before we get into the sort of the guts of this issue. Um, have you ever read a nap before? I've taken a nap. This is so fucking boring. This is like the most boring <laughs> comic in the history of comics. The first arc was so much fun, and all the fun has been sucked out of this comic. I agree for the most part, but I, I did have one one positive thing that I noted here. What's that? He doesn't do the most annoying Bizarro speak? Well, no, it's still pretty annoying, but, <laughs> but I like Bizarro as a character. I like I was not expecting Bizarro to be like an inherently generous and good person in this. Right, yeah. You know? And I thought it was legitimately it's certainly not it's not like the freshest thing in the world, but for Bizarro it is. And yeah, no, I agree with that. And it, he did it in a way that was actually legitimately heartwarming. But I, aside from that, you're right. This is a very, very stale book. Not it's not bad in the way that like New Fifty Two Lubdell books were bad. Right. Um, it's just surprisingly boring after an opening arc that was pretty good. I thought. Yeah. Well, I feel like he, I feel like he doesn't know what to do next with these characters. I agree. It was a, he got the band together and then has no idea what their mission is. At least we got to see the crowbar again. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> also playing catch up to the origins of Batman and Superman. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> but I mean, again, like, I think that this book has the potential to be really fun and really different, and it just totally fell mm-hmm. down this week and didn't do didn't do that. Yeah. Let's get back to that guy. Yeah, it still feels it it still feels like a really like potentially special book for the thing like the reasons you mentioned and then like the art is still really still really interesting and and I think like a good fit for this book. Um Yeah, this is a book I really want to be good and to like. This is definitely the best, like I think the most enjoyable that Jason Todd has been in oh, a yeah. long since time. he was a Robin, like a real Robin. Yeah. Although he was pretty good in Batman and Robin. Uh, under yeah, 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 yeah. That and I even kind of liked him some under like uh, like in the Batman Inc. era. Yeah, when he was around for stuff. But yeah, Batman and Robin Eternal. He was good in that. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the worst cover of the week by a country mile, Suicide Squad <laughs> number fifteen. Uh, written by John. That, that was my only note. That was what. That was my only note on this issue too. Is how bad the you cover took was. It. Yeah, I I just wrote that cover. Yeah, I feel like she has, and I am not. I don't mean her breasts here. I feel like she has the world's largest chest in this cover. Uh, <laughs> like you can project a film on that. Like it's just like that's not. What? Yeah. No, I was just gonna say that's that's some interesting anatomy. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> it's so JRJR. Uh, it was written by Rob Williams, illustrated by John Romita Jr., and Eddie Barrows is the 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 backup bit here. Um, so this is a, this is this is like the classic comics undoing everything that happened in the last few months trick, and I'm just tired of that trick. Like this, this essentially undoes the entirety of the book. Almost even going back before Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Like, Rustam <laughs> is out of the picture again. The entire team is is back, except for Killer Frost, who was only there because of that crossover to get her into Justice League of America. So, like, nothing has changed. And, and, we're, and we're right back to, to uh, having uh, Zod be a, a player, which, which was not on the table since before that crossover. Like it just seems like this is the total reset issue. Yeah, this is it was weird. And and I, I bet you like based on the backup, they're gonna have El Diablo come on the team so that it'll be even more accurate to the hit film franchise. <laughs> Wasn't he on the team originally? <laughs> uh, who even remembers? Was he? I don't know. Maybe he was. I think he was. That's... <laughs> He might have been, and he just got away, and we forgot about it. I also like how they just make it like he's a, a stray dog. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. got away. He's been, he's been <laughs> gone for a while. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is, uh, oh, gosh. I never want to read a comic for the man of Waller in ever again. <laughs> the one who kind of liked it. What? You were the one who kind of liked this book. It, for art reasons. I never once said the story was good. That's, he's right. That's fair. Uh, I, so I'm not reading this book, but I just got to say, like, everything that 
this is like a book that's proud to be trashy. You know, this is like this is like daytime television. You know, like trashy. Uh, everything about it is just like tacky, and that cover is the tackiest thing ever. Yeah. Um. Let's just move on because who cares about Suicide Squad, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. I'm rapidly losing my voice. This podcast is going on, so. Oh boy. Um, Supergirl number eight, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by. Matthias Bergera. <clears throat> Who did a great Brian Ching impression. <laughs> like, yeah. re- really kept the tone. Yep. This this was a wonderful issue. Yes, it was. It this was, was a lot just, of fun. Yeah, it was just so warm and... And, oh, yeah. It's another one of those great Rebirth Breather issues that we've been appreciating so much. Um... They they had so they had the Kryptonian Day of Truth, which is just the plot of Liar Liar, um, <laughs> where nobody I'm can tell lies. I'm kicking my ass. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that boardroom scene where he's going around insulting everybody, and, yeah. and he slams the guy's hairpiece on the on the wall. Did you hear? Did you guys see the? While we're on the Jim Carrey jag here. The Jim Carrey Tommy Lee Jones story that came out this week. No. <laughs> well, oh, that's an old story. That's that's been out, but it resurfaced this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. apparently, when they were filming Batman and Robin, or Batman Forever, uh, Jim Carrey was at a restaurant and saw that Tommy Lee Jones was there. So he went over to the table to say hello, and Tommy Lee Jones got up and hugged him. And while he was hugging him, whispered, "I hate you. I really hate you. I won't stand for your buffoonery." <laughs> I cannot sanction sorry, your sorry, buffoonery. Sorry. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> good stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk about how good this issue is, and then I want to I want to bring up one thing I'm I'm a little bit upset about, but but this was this was a super, pardon the pun, super fun issue. It, it reinforced the idea of a super family beyond just John, Lois, and, and Clark. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, they, you know, it was, it was basically like Supergirl and Superman palling around for, for a day and eating, eating all the food that's on Supergirl's like foods I need to try list. And yeah. Uh, and I love the line. I wrote the line down here. It shouldn't take a crisis for cousins to visit, which is like a perfect, <laughs> especially considering uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's such a good line. <laughs> There's a little bit with Saturn Girl and, and Emerald Empress's well, search for Saturn. Is that what you wanted to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach, cool. do you have anything to add before we get to that? Uh, no, I wanted to talk about the lack of Saturn Girl. <laughs> Okay. Is this this can't be like the end of this story, right? I think they're oh, just dragging this out so much. This is like the longest tease. Because it was supposed to be part of that Batgirl annual. And then Supposedly, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And then this it was, it was supposed to lead into this arc of Batgirl and Supergirl working together to like find Saturn Girl. It was the girl arc apparently, 
all those girl names. Um, but it's nothing. Girl, it's not... girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, Batgirl's showing up next issue, right? Right, Is but that... I don't think it has anything to do with Saturn Girl anymore. Okay, well, we'll see. Yeah. It just seems to me like I want my Legion, I want it now. <laughs> and we're not getting that, so. <laughs> it's my Legion, and I want it now. Exactly. But no, this is an incredibly fun comic. Yes. Is that anything else to add about the Legion stuff? No, I want my Legion. Come on. (laughs) Getting so impatient. Such an entitled fan. You know, it's funny. We were complaining just, you know, a minute ago about wanting to get the Legion or not getting it. But this week in Titans... The biggest return of the week happened. The rubbery pizza returned. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even notice. I uh, missed it. Oh, it's in there. Our favorite rebirth character, the rubber pizza. The rubber oh, pizza. Man, where's the rubber pizza? Hang on, I'll, I'll, I'll find it for you in a second. It's towards the end of the issue. They're all eating, and uh, they're they're clearly. I think it's Donna is holding the piece of rubber pizza. Yep, there it is. Yeah, the second to last page. Uh, Garth eats pizza with a fork because he's Donald Trump, apparently. <laughs> and, I, I actually think he's eating some sort of disgusting Alfredo. That could be that, yeah. It's a big bowl of gabagool, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Says a guy who literally had gabagool today. Yeah. <laughs> I, Brian, I have I get the feeling that you ingest gabagool like most people do water. <laughs> yeah, I have a fountain. I have a I have an Italian cured meat fountain. I just turn the dial, go from gabagool to uh, to a supersat, to salami, and uh, yeah. Sometimes I bathe in it. And I'm really feeling you know feeling up for something different. And, uh, if this isn't reason to come visit, guys, come on, an Italian cured meat fountain is a great thing. Anyway, Titans number 10, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by uh, Brett Booth. The one and only. Yeah. I I don't dislike what's happening in this book from a storytelling perspective. I think that they're doing a nice job making us care about these characters, especially Mal and uh, and Karen. Like, they they were part of uh, Titans Hunt, if you recall. And then they've been used here, you know, sparingly, but I, I've enjoyed their interaction. And I think, interestingly, they're wiping Karen's mind a bit. I think that's a... I think the, I think what they're wiping is interesting. Like, I, I feel like this is not a typical, like, we're wiping stuff that makes it easier to tell. Like, I feel like a lot of times mind wipes happen when there's difficult stuff they don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. But, like, having her forget her child... Is an interest is a legitimately interesting story to tell. Yeah, like pretty tragic too. Yeah, like that's, that's heavy. Yeah. The uh, Donna even stopped eating her rubbery pizza to talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, sorry, nothing, nothing, nothing. No, you gotta come on, come out with it. No, I'm just laughing about the rubbery pizza. Okay. I laugh a lot. I enjoy life, Brian. You you are truly, uh, you know, in my phone when you text me, it says, the glass is half full. It's texting me. Nice. 
very nice. Yeah. I love, uh, I love, I, our, our listeners maybe get sick of it, but I laugh constantly on this show because I just, you know, this is such a joyous thing that we do here every week. So it is, it is one of the highlights of my week every week. So, um, I don't have too much else to say about this, this arc. Do you? No. No. Excited for the last risk contract next month. Yeah. Yeah. The issue issue kind of ended on a tease for that. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our final issue of the week. Wonder Woman number 20. Written by Greg Rucka. Illustrated by Bill Quist Evely. And, uh, this is sort of like an interesting little bottle story that I mean Wonder Woman's only very briefly in this issue. And I think your enjoyment of this issue will be in in proportion with how much you care about this story that has nothing to do with her. What did you guys think of this issue? I liked it. Yeah, I I liked it. I liked it, what they were do, what he's doing with uh, Circe, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Circe, uh, giving giving her like a very modern update. Um, of this witch character almost she almost felt like a character right out of uh, uh, the Wicked and the Divine. Actually, the oh, image interesting. Book, yeah, yeah, as what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah, you're right. You know, they they set her up as very much this like sarcastic trickster witch, like trying to make a deal to um, save uh, Veronica's daughter in this, and um, and you know just just the back and forth of trying to agree on terms for the deal, and then the way that it all sort of ends up falling apart because she realizes that Ares. Ares has her daughter. Um, was was really interesting. I th- I thought it was very entertaining, and it di- it didn't matter to me that it didn't have much to do with Wonder Woman at this point because I'm sure she'll get folded in here. But oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. I mean, I was entertained, and I, I also I also noted that there was a what I think is a C Lab reference where there was the I I don't remember who it was, but there was a character saying bored 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 like yeah. over and over again <laughs> bum, bum, and, uh, bored. Bum, yeah bum, bored. so that was like uh i felt like that was a reference to captain murphy from sea lab <laughs> one of the you mean mike pence <laughs> mike pence if mike pence had like an ounce of personality <laughs> yeah. yes he could never host the the morning zoo radio show <laughs> yeah. listen up sea Mail, monkeys ma- mailbox head yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fig nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason I brought up sort of before the idea of your enjoyment of this issue being perhaps uh, dependent on how much you care about this. I've seen some people criticize Rucka's arc for making Wonder Woman the least interesting character in the book. And I think that there is, I don't want to say there's valid criticism there, but he's, he spent a lot of time building up her extended cast. And I like that kind of storytelling, but I can understand if somebody wants a more Diana-centric book, this may not be their favorite run. 
I guess, I guess what I would say, and this probably doesn't satisfy anyone's critique, but it's certainly the a valid reason that I can think of is that Diana is as confused about her status and her past as anyone because of the excuse me the uh the lies and the truth and the the right. the mystery behind rebirth and that his his series so far has been almost entirely about that and so she's very much like a vessel an empty vessel right now you know now whether that's the Wonder Woman book you wanted Greg Rocket to write or not, you know, it's totally valid that you're just not into it. Yeah. But I feel like he took on this task of sort of reshaping Diana's world more than actually the character herself. Because I think the character herself is... DC knows exactly what they want, and they've gotten her to that point, you know? I feel like it's the fiction surrounding her that they wanted to work on. And, and for better or worse, that was Greg Rucka's duty. I mean, Rucka said in his like exit announcement that Jeff Johns told him like, bring Diana back, bring her back to like, you know, make her comics feel the way that they quote should feel. Yeah. And I think he did that more or less. We still have you know a couple months to get there, but I think I think he's doing that. Yeah, I think so. All right, well that does it for this week's comics. Um, next week begins the button. The button. And so we're gonna have a lot of button talk, and then I guess like midway through the button, the Lazarus contract starts. So oh we're gonna, man, we're gonna have a lot of. A lot of crossovers to talk about. Um, but I am enjoying this four-issue crossover. That and We've mentioned this before. I think it's a smart thing on DC's part. Like the month-long crossover, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, we've got... So we've got the button, Lazarus contract, and then we start getting into Dark Days metal stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a busy time. It is. It's interesting that DC is kind of like, I mean, they're not doing, I guess this is different than like kind of like the Marvel style event uh, release schedule, but it is kind of interesting how they're like really doubling down on these kind of like bigger, uh, like self-contained event books while Marvel is reportedly moving away from events altogether. Yeah. After quote, the biggest event we've ever done. Like, you know, like Marvel is that junkie saying like just one more hit, you know. Like <laughs> no more events after this one. This one's gonna be the hugest though, you know. It's uh, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it from Mar- from Marvel. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Well, can you blame me? No. Comics guys. Yeah. You think you'd think we'd be tired of it by now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not. We never will be. Oh, maybe we will be one day, but not when I have friends like this keeping me interested. So, for now, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can interact with us there. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. 
I am at Fignuts. <laughs> VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. <laughs> and I'm at SirFox89. And uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but Zach's going to be in Japan for part of this year, and he's going to bring us back all sorts of weird superhero stuff from Japan. All the weird superhero stuff. Do they have weird superhero stuff over there? Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm almost positive of it. Go, I, go did, see, I did go see an article about. Uh, oh no, maybe it was. Uh, it was somebody at Marvel was in Japan recently, and they like posted, they, like tweeted about going to one of the few uh, American comic shops over there, which I am really interested to see what that would even look like. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Go go see the giant Gundam before they tear it down, or maybe I, they are, maybe they already have. But I will do that. I, I, was I think I'm say, just going to go over there and play Persona 5 the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I know what that means. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, I feel like Japan has vending machines for everything. So get some uh-huh. comics from a vending machine. I will. And some panties just for you guys. <laughs> you read my mind. Thank you. The dirtier, the better. Oh, gosh. This is disgusting. <laughs> Good night. Uh.